It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. It's another episode of Simply Amazing. Uh, Just me, Tim Ryder, today. Taryn is... uh, off doing his thing. We'll be back ASAP, but uh, we have a quick one for you today. Um, of course, the big news, Shohei Otani lands in uh, in Los Angeles, uh, not far from Anaheim, but uh, I guess, I don't know, if you want to put it on a, on a measuring scale, say about $700 million away. <laughs> um, you have to wonder what's happening in Anaheim, um, specifically with Mike Trout, now that Shohei's gone, and I guess they've said they're not trading him, but, but we'll see how that goes. But yeah, Shohei Otani, uh, we don't know a whole lot. Um, of course, this went down on Saturday. I'm recording this Sunday evening. We might get some more information. So what we know now is that Shohei's with the Dodgers, 10 years, $700 million. That's uh, the largest contract given out in North American sports history. Um, absolutely well-deserved. I mean, this guy was a unicorn, and I think we said it here on the pod. We said it a bunch on Twitter uh, at you know back when he had surgery that you know his Tommy John or second Tommy John surgery – wasn't going to mean a whole lot when it came down to his new contract. Nobody was paying. I mean, nobody was going to be holding back money because he's missing one year of pitching when he can still be a DH and everyone's expecting him to just still, of course, be a, you know, an elite hitting, um, an elite offensive side player. You know, when he comes back to pitching, of course, they will see who, where he's at at that point, but one would have to imagine he'll be right back there. Um, it, it, you know, did the Dodgers lay out a, a ton of capital and 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 kind of absorb a lot of risk? Of course, but the reward in this case is going to be you know astronomical. So, so I guess for right for right now, you take it with a grain of salt. You tip your cap to the Dodgers for going out and getting their guy. Uh, there was a bunch of drama, of course, with the. Uh, uh, first, uh, I know reports were that Shohei was uh, there was a plane leaving from Anaheim to Toronto, and I guess John Morosi, who uh, MLB Network, um, I guess the timeline of this is a little wonky, but John Morosi came out and he, he, you know, to an extent confirmed those Shohei's on a plane to Toronto reports. And later in the evening, uh, I think it was uh, Nightingale first and then Heyman. Uh, Bob Nightingale, USA Today, John Heyman, uh, I believe is with The Post and then FAN and Odyssey and all that, uh, both confirmed that <laughs> Shohei was not on a plane. Um, you know, of course, social media really, really leaned into Morosi. Uh, I believe on Sunday we learned, or maybe late Saturday, we learned that um, that uh, someone in Shohei's camp may have leaked some information, but again, at this point, 
one, you really can't trust too much that you hear. And two, it's um it's over and done with. It doesn't really matter. I know there's going to be a ton of Toronto fans that got their hopes up that are probably a little bit bummed out. And now, of course, they have somewhere to turn their ire to now that reports, uh, well, at least post reports have come out saying that Shohei's camp was the one who leaked the Toronto thing to kind of throw people off of LA center. Of course, the agents are just trying to boost, uh, boost Shohei's contract value. But I think we probably saw a little bit of that last week when, oh, the, the, the Braves are, are a team that's still in the mix. You know, I think they were always, I think the Dodgers were always going to be that, that target for Shohei and, and vice versa. And, and, you know, there might have been other teams involved and, and good for them. Why wouldn't they be? Um, but, you know, I think Shohei to L.A. was probably, I don't want to say inevitable, but likely. Um, Steve Cohen spoke with Will Salmon of The Athletic, uh, confirmed that Shohei Otani's agent never spoke to him. Uh, we did see reports, uh, I believe this was multiple reports, saying that, you know, the Shohei was just out of the, the Mets' financial plans, future plans, which makes you wonder... <laughs> what are their plans if they're not willing to shell out, you know, every not everything, you know, when it's a a percentage of a percentage to the owner's net worth, I guess, you know, that's a risk you probably should be taking, but that's neither here nor there. Um, they have other ideas. They have other directions they want to go. We'll get to the Mets shortly. The Dodgers made a great move and, and, you know, you're looking at that roster and what they're going to be able to do in the future, and good for them. And per reports, a substantial amount of Otani's salary will be deferred. Um, I, I I couldn't even try to break it down, but please go check out uh, John Becker on X, Twitter, whatever you want to call it. John Becker, J-O-N, terrific breakdown of what this deferred money could mean. Um, of course, I believe Jeff Passan from ESPN also broke it down in his article uh, for ESPN or ESPN+. Plus. Um, really, really explained how, what this means for the Dodgers. Um, of course, if they're deferring a bunch of money, it's going to lower the, um, the AAV or the competitive balance tax total, uh, what the Dodgers are going to be seeing against their luxury tax payroll every year. Um, and and if the Dodgers work this out well, it could be substantially less than 70, 70 million a year, which would be the AAV at 700 by 10 years. Um, how that works out, I'm not an accountant. Uh, to be perfectly honest, I'm not that good at math. So <laughs> that's above my pay grade. Um, I would suggest following John Becker. Of course, stay in, stay in, in, in constant contact with the big dogs who report these things. But uh, Becker was his his thread was terrific to like I had to read it a few times again not my forte but um terrific uh, of course Chris Soto does work for mesmerized I'm sure he's gonna have stuff out there breaking this all down I just haven't had too many uh, too much time to look at Twitter this weekend it's been a wild one but uh, that was only a little bit of the um of the news towards the end of the week uh, the Yankees acquired Juan Soto from the Padres. Yankees gave up quite a um, a cachet uh, of in return. Uh, they sent um, young starting pitcher. Ooh, 
sorry, dropped my phone. Uh, Drew Thorpe to the Padres. Randy Vasquez went to the Padres. Uh, Johnny Brito went to the Padres. Uh, Michael King went to the Padres. Uh, Kyle Higashioka went to the Padres. And in return, the Yankees acquired Trent Grisham, who should play a lot of center field for the Yanks. And uh, Shane Grisham says he's going to lose that. Uh, well, actually, no, he could still rock that mustache. Disregard. He was he was rocking a pretty sweet pretty sweet stash last year, and uh, as long as he abides by the Yankees' silly facial hair codes, he could probably still wear it. Good for him. And uh, and Juan Soto, who I don't care what uniforming he's in, that's one of my favorite baseball players in the sport. It's one of my favorite baseball players in my time of being a baseball fan. Uh, I wish that the Mets would have been more involved in a trade on Soto, and I get why they weren't. Um, I guess selfishly and, and of course, you know, unrealistically, I was hoping for a, uh, I think I said on Twitter, a Stearns swoop. <laughs> uh, of course, it seems like uh, the Yankees were pretty much headed for uh, for a Soto trade, what seems like, um, or at least per reports, uh, seems like this was pretty much locked in or in motion for a while. Um, and Soto's gone after the year. So you have to, you know, you have to, of course, take that into account and say, all right, the Yankees knew what it was going to take. The Padres knew what they wanted. Um, you know, if the Padres are truly valuing guys like Michael King, who certainly has the stuff to be a front-of-the-line rotation guy, um, Drew Thorpe, who I believe was a minor league pitcher of the year, um, these are guys who can certainly make uh, <laughs> ease the blow for Padres fans who just, you know, a year ago, Wow, we're all in, and and now you know you're back to Manny and 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 the core that was there, and now Grisham's gone too. Um, you know, Snell is gone. You're really gonna have to kind of, uh, you know, of course, sadly and tragically, their owner just passed away, who was beloved by the fan base. It's gonna be a big transition period for San Diego, and I feel bad for Padres fans. I have friends who are Padres fans. I had the pleasure of writing about the Padres for a couple of years. Um, you know, that's a fan base who was just dying for some, for some success, and they got so close and just, you know, more disappointed. And, of course, we know the feelings there, but Soto going to the Yankees, um, you have to imagine they're going to make a push to lock them up long term. You also have to imagine that Soto is going to test the market. Um, and, and for a player like Soto, who... You know, I know he's had ups and downs, and he's under a microscope, so of course we're going to see every up and down, at least I do. <laughs> I, like I said, I'm a big fan. I pay close attention to what Juan Soto does. Um, it doesn't, like, the ups and downs and the league putting a book on him, and, and maybe it almost seemed like when he went to San Diego, they said, hey, you're going to buy into this philosophy, and it kind of messed him up. And, and you hate to see that, especially with a player of his caliber, where you don't want to put reins on him. Just... Go let him do what he does. He does it so well. <laughs> Why would you mess with that? Um, you have to think going into a contract year, playing in New York, playing with a short porch, playing in that lineup in, in the Bronx. You assume he's going to have a really, really big, big season um, if he can stay healthy and, and, and keep himself on track. You have to assume he's going to hit the free agent market. He's going to be a very, very, very highly sought out um player and that that makes perfect sense i still want the mets to make every attempt to bring him in i know he said in the past on his 
Instagram. I believe he was taking BP, and this is my buddy Chris Simon's photo that I believe he used in the Instagram photo in the Instagram post. Um, he was like looking out into the outfield expanse of center field uh, of City Field, looking you know, and this is batting practice, so he's just kind of looking at the outfield wall and beyond. And uh, I, I wish I could paraphrase exactly what he said, but. You know, oh, he loves it here, loves it here. This is my favorite place to play. He wants to, Soto wants to come to New York. And whether it, wanted to, whether it was going to be in the Bronx or here, I think he's going to, I think if the Yankees aren't able to lock him up before he hits free agency, I fully expect the Mets to make a real push, more, more so than any push they made at Otani for Soto next year. But we'll see how that cookie crumbles, I guess. Um, as for... Soto, you know, he's playing in a very, very big market, terrific lineup around him. Um, he's going to make that lineup better. And uh, locally, I'll get to watch Juan Soto almost every night. I'll have to, you know, open up a second screen so I can watch the Mets and the Yankees. But, you know, that's that's the level of um, – fandom I have for Juan Soto. Uh, I will watch him whenever possible. And if all I have to do is, you know, turn on the TV and switch the channel now, it's, uh, it should be fun. So I'm looking forward to it. Um, how this, how I'm going to tie this all into the Mets. I don't know. Well, one, I guess now that some dominoes are falling, you have to wonder what's going to go on with, um, Yoshinobu Yamamoto. Um, of course, most likely the crown jewel of, of any team who signs him's offseason. Um, I've seen a lot of people saying that, and I think Tim Healy from on, uh, he was on, oh, whose podcast was he on? Could have been, no, was, I was going to say intentional talk, but that's not right. Ah, I forget. Foul territory, possibly? Either way. Um, and I, I said it on Twitter, I think a couple of days before that, he's my, my point of view was that for somebody like Yamamoto, um, of course it would be huge for the Mets to bring Yamamoto in. Should it quote unquote hinge? Should the Mets offseason hinge on Signing Yamamoto? No. I don't think any team's offseason should ever hinge on one player. There's always got to be contingencies. Um, <laughs> should Yamamoto be your number one target? And should you make you know, pull out all the stops to make it happen? Absolutely. But you have to have contingency plans. You have to have backup plans. And there's going to be more than enough contingency plans for the Mets to go out and, and and still feel the fine rotation. Um, you know, Yamamoto, Senga, Quintana, Severino, however they want to line up the rotation. Yeah, that looks a lot better than let's say Senga, Giolito, or whoever. There's gonna there's a lot of starting pitching options out there, and I think you're gonna see more things along the more signings along the line of Severinos, where you've seen recent success and now with the new pitch lab, you're going to kind of see the Mets take things to the next level, or at least try, and they're going to have a lot of buy-low type candidates. I think you saw it this weekend with Jorge Lopez. Um, Lopez was a, uh, a reliever for the Orioles in 2022, 
one of the best in baseball. Was terrific. Lost his touch last year, and I think the Mets are hoping, or at least putting some eggs into the basket, that Lopez can be that guy again. And and yeah, sure. Let's 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 see what we can do. Um, I was a big fan at the time when he was having his old peak. I said, hey, I think uh, Trey Mantini was out on the trade market, and I said, boy. If, they're, if, if he's going to move, I hope somebody would attach Lopez to this deal because he's got some nasty stuff. And, uh, again, really wasn't that guy last year, but the Mets are putting all of their, you know, their vast or at least a large portion of their vast resources, off-the-field resources, uh, into building out their analytics and research and development and, and this new pitching lab where they're, they're going to hope that they can, one, get the most out of their players, two – minimize downtimes, at least as far as, oh, you know, I got something out of whack. I got to figure it out. Well, if they could turn that from a, you know, a week process into a, into a couple of hours process, okay, we figured it out. Let's fix it. I mean, that could mean the world for not only, you know, 40 man roster current guys, but just the development of an entire organization that could be huge. So we'll see how that all works out. But of course, if you can get Yamamoto to lead up this rotation or at least pair with Sanga at the top of your rotation, you know, that's huge. Uh, you're going to spend a lot of money to get him. Me and Taryn talked about this a couple episodes ago. I don't want to get too far into the starting pitching market. We already kind of talked about all that. But um, I think you're looking at a $30 million a year contract for Yamamoto. He's young enough. He's good enough. People talk about his small stature. I'm not really concerned with that. If you look at his stuff, look at the videos of his stuff, look at it, the placement of his stuff, look at the tunneling of his stuff. He's, um, as long as he stays healthy, I think he's going to be well worth that investment. Um, and again, if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work from the Mets perspective. It does If it doesn't work out, it is what it is. If you made every attempt to bring him in and he just went elsewhere, you know, you can't put that on anyone but the player. The player chose to go elsewhere. If Stearns and Cohen and, and everybody said, oh, we want you here and this is the, this is our best offer, and he just decides to go with somebody else, well, you know, short of saying, well, what would you get from somebody else? Let us let us raise it. And even then, the player still has to say, well, I maybe I just want to go there. So I think, you know, people are – kind of harping, harping a lot <laughs> on the Mets for, you know, they're not doing anything right now. Well, you know, I think that you have to wait for ducks to not only get into a row, but then fly off because after that one duck flies off, there's another one up front. So, you know, there's going to be a lot of evolving through the off season. There's going to be a lot of posturing. There's going to be a lot of, uh, a lot of everything. And I think we're starting to see more things happen on Sunday. Again, I really wasn't around. I saw some signings pop up. You can follow your usual suspects to see all that. We figured out who's going to win the World Series next season. It's the Kansas City Royals because Will Smith signed there. But <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, there's going to be a lot more going on in the offseason. And uh, the Mets have a vision. And guys, if you've been on this wagon for as long as I have, there's been many offseasons where the Mets have zero vision. The fact they're heading into this offseason, not only with one, you know, swallowing their pride, swallowing a pretty big pill in last year's, you know, I don't want to say disaster, but not a great time. <laughs> um, 
but but they still left last season with momentum. They traded off some really overpriced players that they brought in and tried to do well with. It didn't work. Now they're sitting on some really great prospects, which, again, they already had a decent system. Now they've got, you know, pretty much double the top 10, uh, the top 10 guys in their system. Um, you know, you had a, you know, your top five was great. Now your top five, uh, your top five was good. Now your top five is great. That's a pretty good place to be. Was it expensive? Absolutely. But it's not my money. Uh, <laughs> the guy who's got 20 billion, he's footing the bill. So, uh, hey, I, I think everyone's happy, including the guy who's footing the bill, I'm sure. Um, you have David Cerns at the, you know, in the, in the head chair at the head of the table. They're making all these changes organizationally. You know, I think everyone knows that they're going to have to kind of grin and bear it after investing a lot in last season. And this year's not going to be another World Series or bust year for them. I just, I can't foresee it. I don't want to rule it out. But I think the Mets, we're going to see more of these depth type additions. And, you know, I'm not totally against that. I mean, you can go back and, you know, even going back to... um you know, boy, Kyle Crick came in. Tyler Heineman was claimed off waivers. Uh, Cooper Hummel claimed off waivers. Michael Tonkin came in on a one-year... Uh, oh, that's a major league deal for Tonkin. Good for him. He came from Atlanta. Um, wasn't overly impressed, but hey, if he's doing well for Atlanta, I guess he's got something going on. Um, Jose Iglesias, minor league contract, invite to minor league uh, camp. Um... Justin Ammons brought in, I guess they acquired, uh, they drafted Justin Slayton, who was with the Rangers uh, in the Rule 5 draft, and highly regarded, and then moved him over to Boston for a uh, right-hander, Justin Ammons. We'll see how that goes. Um, again, Rule 5, so they have to keep him on the 40-man throughout the season. If they are going to remove him for the 40 man, they got to send him back to his original club. So he'd be going back to the Red Sox. Uh, Jorge Lopez, we already discussed there. Uh, Taylor Colway, uh, this is a. Um, plays all three outfield positions, plays a little bit of first base. So I think really you could see that the Stearns regime is going with versatility. Um, we've seen a bunch of that. Uh, whether it be Wendell, uh, Zach Short, whoever and kind of forgets about, he was brought in kind of before the uh, the, the off-season rush or the hot stove rush. Um, you know, these are all guys who are going to contribute. I was trying to find the right word, the right word, but that's, I mean, sometimes you just got to keep it simple, right? I, I mean, contributing in a positive way, especially when you're kind of relying on a, a whole roster, and you know when is baseball not a whole roster pulling together? But it's not like looking across town and saying, "Oh, you got stars," then you got the rest of the team. It's not like looking in LA and say, "Oh, you got the stars," then you got the rest of the roster. I mean, sure, yeah, you're gonna have stars on the Mets. You're gonna have your your Lindors and and your Alonzos and your Sangas, but you you know what you're expecting from those from those guys and what you're expecting from Oh, I don't know, Francisco Alvarez or Jeff McNeil, it's not too far down. They're not too far apart. You know, you're expecting 120 weighted runs created plus from all these guys I just mentioned. It, for the Mets and for a lot of teams, and, and really, I mean, 
you're looking at a, at a, at a, at a push for depth that could result in just production, positive production. Are they going to be pretty? Are they going to be flashy? Maybe. Pete might hit 50 home runs. Lindor might make a push for 30-30. Maybe he's going to make a push for 40-40. Who knows? But you, you have to always kind of wait out and see how these things develop. And I'm perfectly fine with that. Am I fine going into the going into the season with uh, Sanga, Quintana, Severino, McGill, Lucchese? No. No, no, no. There's going to be additions that are going to be made, which is kind of how I was going to wrap this all up. There are going to be additions. There's going to be plenty of moves still to be made. It's not going to be all of these depth depth moves. I think it's pretty clear now that that Stearns has a plan. He's filling out depth. I'm sure bullpen and starting pitching. Starting pitching should be next on the list, but you're probably going to see bullpen start start to be addressed. You're still looking at your Diaz, Rayleigh, uh, Edwin Diaz, Brooks, Raley, and then, you know, Drew Smith, Tonkin. I think Lopez is going to make his his <laughs> presence known pretty early on. If he still has that stuff, I think he's going to be a real, real asset. Um, Austin Adams, who the Mets just brought in, another guy who, you know, they seem to like. They seem to say, okay, this guy is someone who's going to fit what we're looking for. Do we know if these guys are going to be in the mix and eating up a lot of innings? No, we have no idea. But having reliable options, it's a nice foundation. Uh, well, Diaz and Rayleigh is a nice foundation. <laughs> having protection in good depth, that's that's a good thing. And I think now that the big dominoes have fallen, it's only a matter of time before the Mets start to fill out the bigger holes, the more glaring needs in their roster, which, of course, starting pitching, bullpen depth. And I'm talking real bullpen depth. If if you're saying Diaz is one and Rayleigh is two, maybe you need a real two. Rayleigh's going to be three. Not that's not a knock on Rayleigh either. Rayleigh's a very very competent, terrific reliever. Um, I'd like a a a two A to Rayleigh's two B. If we if that would be a good way to put it, I would love that. I think that would be beneficial. We'll talk about who that might be in our upcoming episodes. I think bullpen is next. We already did starting pitching, and this was like <laughs> starting pitching continued, but um, DH, you have to look out for the DH. I know we heard reports about J.D. Martinez this week. I think that would be an outstanding move for the Mets to make. Let's say there's going to be other suitors, which of course is going to drive the price up, but I mean, if J.D. Martinez can keep the idea of continuity, uh, continuity running through this lineup uh, will just kind of be a hallmark of this, uh, of continuity in this lineup, which, you know, he's proven to be throughout his career. I think that's going to be a plus. Um, again, if it happens, if it were me, I would make a a conscious effort to, um, to reach out and see if he would have the interest in playing in New York because... Uh, I, you know, I think it would be a fit. I wouldn't be shocked to see if the Mets are, are talking to other teams about their Vientoses or their Beatties or, or I don't want to say Ronnie cause Ronnie's having quite a nice little tear in winter league right now. Um, showing off his power, showing off very, uh, extremely weird. He knew he had a very powerful arm at third base, but looking somewhat competent. I don't know about his statistics defensively at third base, but he's playing a lot of third. 
But really, um, coming out of his shell, he's always come out of his shell, especially playing in the DR, but um, the power potential, the confidence, I think we're once again, we're looking at a uh, what could be a, a, a big step sort of year for Ronnie Mauricio. If the Mets are looking to move some people in there, in their barn, uh, maybe for you know more valuable pieces to what they're trying to do, I wouldn't be shocked if maybe Beatty gets discussed. Wouldn't be shocked if Vientos gets discussed. Vientos, I think, would be a terrific addition to the uh, to the DH rotation. But if that's his ceiling, um, and other teams want him, and maybe see him in their first or third base future, and are offering a I don't want to say top of the line reliever, but front or middle reliever, you know, fireman type guy. I wouldn't be totally against it. And it would hurt because, you know, Vientos is going to figure it out and hit some home runs and whatever. That's that's okay. But if it, if it, if it helps what the Mets are trying to do, I wouldn't be shocked. That's what I'm trying to say. I'm not advocating for a trade for these guys, but I'm I'm pretty much, you know, I'm almost convinced that the Mets are at least discussing their options. And I'm sure those options include moving their young players for veteran-type guys who can fill very specific roles and holes for this roster. That's cool. Whatever. Whatever they think. For the first time in a long time, I am confident in whatever the Mets choose to do. I'm just kind of talking out loud and thinking out loud when it comes to, yeah, you have a lot of young guys on this roster. You have to kind of wonder what, what's going to happen there. Uh, one young guy who you kind of don't have to worry about, and um, I'm going to, I haven't really read too much of the article. I'm going to be grabbing the uh, actual physical Newsday paper uh, in the morning and Check this out. Uh, I guess I'll have to grab Sundays, but I got a guy for that. Um, apparently, Francisco Alvarez is open to uh, signing an extension with the Mets. I think if that's being discussed at these early stages of his career, uh, at least in the Mets case, yeah, let's discuss. <laughs> let's absolutely discuss. I think um, the work that he's been putting into his craft, and that's going back to you know, before he came up last year, he was preparing like he was a major leaguer. And this offseason, he's preparing like he's a major leaguer. If you've seen clips on his Instagram or stuff that's popped up on Twitter, he's taking his job very seriously. And we love to see that, folks. Um, we know his offensive capabilities. We've seen the steps he's taken defensively. Um, yeah. If he's willing to be a Met for life, Let's make him a Met for life. I'm sure the Mets' priorities right now, or at least attention, on the extension front is probably turned towards Pete Alonso, um, which, again, makes perfect sense. Pete wants to be here. Boris has done um, extensions before free agency with a lot of guys. You have to assume that's why he was brought in. Um, but if the Mets are going to be you know, tying up all of their – Various loose ends heading into next offseason. If you have a young stud-like catcher like Francisco Alvarez is, and he's willing to buy into this idea, I think that's just that's just peachy, man. <laughs> you bring him in. Um, you know, let's you know, you gotta talk turkey, of course, and that's 
I think, a little um, premature, considering we don't know anything as far as parameters. But, you know, I think it's going to go both ways as far as his, I don't want to say inexperience, but lack of experience, lack of track record. Um, but what he's been doing to make himself a better major leaguer, I think is going to result in him being a good major leaguer. And I think the Mets, if they in, if they reward him or at least invest in him, the same way that, you know, an employer would, or at least a good employer, <laughs> would invest in an employee. Say, oh, wow, we have big plans for you. Let's invest in you. Um, I think that kind of same idea would apply in Francisco Alvarez's sense. Francisco Alvarez likes what he's doing. <laughs> he wants to be here. He wants to get better. I think if the Mets are feel the same way and are seeing what we're seeing, I think this would be a match made in heaven, but we're, we'll have to see how that works out. I do know that in Healy's article, uh, he spoke to Stearns about which direction they would take. Uh, I will go ahead and plug Healy's article for you. Go check that out so you can see what Stearns said. Um, guys, I'm going to look at my list. I believe that's all we have here. Yeah. Depth push. More, more to come. Starting pitching has to be next. That's literally my notes for today, and I just give you, oh, I don't know, about 33 minutes of blah. <laughs> I had fun. I hope you guys did too. We will be back uh, with any, you know, breaking worthy news. Um, probably drop a new one towards the end of next week, uh, towards the end of this week, if not early next week, you know, off-season schedule. And, uh, yeah. You know the call letters. It's LFGM. We'll see you guys next time. Tim Ryder, Simply Amazing. Peace.